Dazzling was all alone last week, but the great man is back in business for another weekly roundup of the NBA. Smithy, I, like many of the listeners, mate, are more than happy to have you back. First of all, walk us through how good it was to have that week off. Are you refreshed? Are you coming back on a high? Mate, I'm rested. I'm relaxed. I am feeling good, my friend. It was a lovely week down by the beach with my better half, so shout out to her. Um, yeah, really, really nice to get away, obviously. Um, listened to the show last week and thought you did a fantastic job without me. I was actually worried you wouldn't let me back on the show, uh, <laughs> considering how well you did last week. But I- I'm very glad to be back and chatting some hoops again. Yeah, and I have to get to this as well. So we just got an L and then an AX. I don't know if that's a US state where AX is, but it's just got here. Smithy, question mark. So that's how much you were missed by the listeners, mate, through the message yeah. boards. That's all that's well, there. At, at least one person <laughs> recognized my absence. <laughs> Which was interesting. So, well, let's get stuck into it, mate. The hot headlines this week. Isn't this a mixed bag? Let's start with the Phoenix Suns announcing that their general manager, James Jones, has received a contract extension. Now, it was unreleased how long that is, but if you believe the rumor mill that is Twitter, it is believed that that to be two years. Given the fact that we've had to give a couple of franchises, GMs, a bit of a whack throughout the year, mate, it's good to see that uh, these good people, great people in organizations are not only getting these sort of extensions, but are getting acknowledged in the wider NBA community that they're doing a good job because Phoenix, I hate to make the, the pun, but they've really risen from the ashes, mate, from the bubble to now dominating in one of the title favorites. He's arguably the best general manager in the NBA. So it would have been silly of them not to uh, lock him up for an extra few years. Uh, The job he's done in Phoenix to, as you said, taking them from sort of a a one and done uh, playoff team borderline um, to a genuine contender making the finals last year and giving it a red hot go. Um, yeah, he's done a fantastic job. It just seems like every roster move he's made has worked. Mm. A, lo- a lot of people looked at Chris Paul when he traded for him and, and saw the huge contract, saw the aging body, but he's been perfect for them. He's drafted well. He's got nuggets in the draft. Uh, any free agent acquisitions, role players, but play big roles. Jay Crowder, who who isn't on the team anymore he was just so good for that team um so yeah really really good to uh sign him up for an extra few years and keep him around yeah absolutely former executive of the year as well uh i know this will probably sound like common sense that i say that lad but since that bubble started phoenix have won more games than anyone and considering brooklyn have come in obviously the bucks won the championship that's a friggin' good effort from a team that going into that bubble i don't think anyone had real a, a real sense of faith that they could go this far in just what seems to be now one and a half years. Yeah, well, a, a lot of people saw it as Devin Booker and the other guys, mm. you know, because Devin Booker was carrying that team, scoring a lot of points, um, and it was sort of just like, oh, yeah, Devin Booker's fun, but what else has he got? And all of a sudden, they're, they're a powerhouse. So, yeah, he deserves all the credit in the world. Yeah, it definitely does. All right, let's move on to the analytics, mate. You know I'm a numbers guy, and when champions are in their prime, they are so fun to watch. But when champions fall, it can also be worth having a look. Steph is having the analytically is having the worst 18 game stretch since his first full season in the NBA. And as much as people want to drag that through the mud, he was our leading TDs and threes MVP, and he hasn't gotten a vote in the last seven weeks. Can you believe that, mate? And he's still on the scoreboard. But the question needs to be asked, 
Is it more worrying that he's going through this slump? And of course, until the slump ends, it seems like it's going to go on forever, as is such the NBA. Or is the fact that the team that he's on is 35 and 13 and he's playing genuinely shithouse? Are they sending a message going, yeah, there's actually more blokes in this building, starting, of course, with Clay, you were high on Jonathan Kaminga, and they've got other guys there as well that are dominating Jordan Poole. I don't know why I'm naming the hell roster, so I'm going to stop doing that, but... I think people need to just go, okay, he's in a slump. We're 48 games in. He'll be fine. It's the team you've got to worry about. Yeah, well, he started the year on fire. It's just mm. been it's been lately that he's hit a bit of a slump. But the fact that they are still winning games <laughs> should scare the shit out of the rest of the NBA because he is struggling and they're blowing teams out. They beat the Mavericks by, I think it was 38 points today. Yeah. I think it was 130 to 92. So if my math is correct, that's 38 points. That is 38. Um, yeah. So I, they did that and he scored 18 points. Mm. You know, it, it's not like last year where you had to be dropping 60 for them to be winning. This is a well-rounded team. Um, and yeah, like you said, they've got people bopping up everywhere. Um, Jonathan Kaminga, one of my favorite players coming out of the draft, had 22 points in 17 minutes today. Yeah, shooting eight of nine from the field and four or four from three. So, you know, it, it just seems like wherever they go that they've got someone to step up. I had seven players in double digits today. Steph scored 18 and his plus minus was plus 23. What yeah. what more needs just to be nuts. said? <laughs> yeah, the, I think the, the, the scariest thing about his shooting slump, though, is and the bloke I'm about to name is probably the most... Um, polarizing figure in the NBA and at the moment his his sort of status around the league and around um, social media and the fans at an all-time low but Russell Westbrook has a better field goal percentage than Steph Curry this year yeah just let that sink in right <laughs> Russell Westbrook has copped probably more slander than any player I've seen in the first half of the season mm. and he is shooting a better percentage than Steph Curry. Yep. What the hell? Yep, absolutely. But and you got to think about because once it gets going for him, like I, I honestly reckon he'll come out, he'll drop like a fifty, and then he'll be fine, and then he'll just keep doing what he does. But if you're, this is who they play next week. If you're the Timberwolves, the Nets, the Rockets, the Spurs, by the time we talk again, I get the feeling it's not really going to be the Rockets. I feel like that's going to be a team play. But I'm looking at that Brooklyn game on Sunday. And I'm saying I will buy some. He could genuinely take them to task. And we're going to sit here next week going to anyone that thought Steph was washed. What's wrong with you? Yeah, smash the over on his individual point line in that game, I'd say. Uh, Gamble responsibly. Geez, the bookies would have loved him this year. Imagine all the overs, just everyone waiting for him to come out of it. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, The trade deadline, mate, is only two and a half weeks away. Hasn't that snuck up on us? So instead of doing the whole... um, uh, feeding into the rumor mill is probably a bit harsh. We're just going to go with the predictions, mate. So someone that you think is going to be on the move and then where they end up. And as much as we'd love to talk about our own franchises, we're going to stick to because I know Miles Turner to Portland is making you feel all of the good things. We're going to stay away from our franchises, mate. Who is someone just around the league that you expect to go and where would be a good place for them to end up? I think a, a deal that I really want to see get done would be uh, Jeremy Grant to the Utah Jazz. Mm. I think Ooh, yeah. that fits what they need perfectly. Uh, Rudy Gobert's come out publicly and um, criticized his teammates 
lack of defense on the Utah Jazz. And if they were to bring Jeremy Grant in, uh, he's instantly that solid wing defender who will play a role. He's been injured at the moment on the Pistons. Uh, obviously, he doesn't want to rot away in Detroit and would like to play on a contender. So that's one I'd really like to see get done. I think Jeremy Grant is someone who will get dealt. Someone who's been rumored to be possibly on the move is De'Aaron Fox. Mm. That's something I'd really like to see get done because I'm going to go on a little rant later about the Kings because I've had a gut full of them. But <laughs> he is being so wasted there. And this is a guy who averaged 27 points last year in Sacramento. And he is just being misused. So if a, if a point guard needy team um, like maybe the Dallas Mavericks or somewhere like that, can make a play on him, uh, even the New York Knicks. I think that'd be something really, really cool. Yeah, I like it, mate. I'm going to throw one out there that was sort of uh, what I like about trade deadline rumors and trade rumors. And we know this, we've got the NBA, the NFL, we've got the Australian football league down here that you and I both love is that it's not the trade rumors that hit the headlines. It's the ones that are put in those articles as like the, the footnote that the ones that go, Oh, we think like, for example, like the De'Aaron Fox to 76ers, like articles that just spread like wildfire. I found this in the bottom of this article that I found extremely interesting. And the more that I think about it, the more that I like it. So it's got the De'Aaron Fox to 76ers, what's going on with Ben Simmons and all that. And right down the bottom of this article, it's got um, why the Dallas Mavericks are interested in John Collins. And I like it. I like it a lot. And I really hope that gets done. So I'm going to make that um, my prediction. It's just one of those trades that... It, what, what are the uh, Hawks going to get back? Um, who's to say? I haven't, honestly haven't had a massive look at the Maverick salary cap position on what's going to happen money-wise, but there's just something about that that I enjoy. So I'm going to go with that one. And now that we've gone yeah, three a bit lighthearted, mate, let's get into the serious stuff because uh, Grace and Allen decided to try to end a man's career, which is something that you really can't do in the NBA since we don't live in the 70s with black and white TV, my friend. Uh, Alex Caruso's got a fractured wrist and um, only Grace and Allen's mum can love him forever now because I think the NBA fan base has turned on him. Has this been a real um, reaction? Do you think it's been an overreaction by the fans? What's your take on it? He came into the league out of, uh, out of Duke as a much maligned figure. Mm. Um, there was quite a few incidents in college. He was one of the most hated players in college basketball. Because uh, he was on the powerhouse at his Duke. Uh, he had a few very questionable moments throughout his college career. Um, and then he got drafted into the NBA and people sort of thought, oh, God, not this clown. Uh, it bounced around and he was playing really good in Milwaukee. And I mm. feel like he started to turn the fans earlier this year. He had a few big games on primetime TV, the commentators were talking him up saying Grayson Allen's finally found his niche in the NBA. He's playing good basketball. And then he does this. He does this. Um, there is ways to stop someone scoring a basket. This isn't the way to do it. This was ugly. It looked like he had the intention of hurting him, mm. which is the worst part about it. And he was seen on the sidelines smiling into a towel uh, while Alex Caruso was being escorted off the court. So everything uh, toted up together. He is the new Zaza Pachulia of the NBA, Pro probably the most hated player in the NBA right now, uh, as Zaza was after he hurt 
Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs. Um, everyone turned on him pretty quickly, and uh, the same is going to happen to Grayson Allen. And the fact that he only got suspended for one game disgusts me. Mm. What was the right suspension then? Because we've had everyone going, um, the NBA's gone soft, which if you've got a player deliberately fracturing someone's wrist, I know he didn't mean to fracture his wrist, but when you're meant to hurt with someone, you've got to live with the consequences. If that's the court system in your country, it's got to be the sporting system, surely. So if you're intent to hurt him, you end up hurting him. What was the right? Do you think you should be able to play in the NBA again? Do you think how many games would you have given him? Is it a weak thing? What would you have given him if they rang you up and said, "Big Smith, we need you, mate. Give us your, uh, give us your uh, suspension term." What would you go with? I would have given him twenty games. Okay, twenty games out. Um, Caruso is going to miss six to eight weeks, um, which you don't get twenty games out of that. So I would have given him twenty games and said, "You do it again, you double it," because it's just you just can't be having that sort of stuff. There. More this this is going to sound I I reckon out of the box, but I reckon with these sorts of things, I reckon you stay out for as long as the player you hurt did plus an extra game. I really like that method because if Caruso does take six weeks to get back, like the medical reports say, and you give Grayson Allen six weeks, like from the date, and then something goes wrong with Caruso's recovery and he's got to miss another four, then giving because I've I've heard I think. It wasn't Stephen A. Smith, but it was a one of those 24-7 NBA shows that said, give them the same amount of time. But what you can't do with the suspension is change the term once you've given it out. You can't say it's three games and then wake up the next morning and go, oh, shit, no, it's actually eight. It, it can't work like that. We can't have a system like that. But when Caruso steps out on the court, one more game, and then Grayson Allen's back in, I'm more than okay with doing that. You can't intend to hurt someone. And go, oh, fuck me, I've got to sit out for one game. And then when I jump back in, he'll be fine. Alex Caruso's got to sit on Chicago's bench with his wrist in a cast. How does that make any sense? But I'm with you. I needed a much longer suspension. How many more chances do we give him before we just say, mate, you can't do this in the league anymore. And the only way to stop you is to stop you from playing. Do you think it might get to that point? And what would it take to get to that point? It would take something pretty serious. The fact that they gave him one, one game suggests that it's going to take something a lot worse. Um, and I know it was a fair while ago, but you look back to the malice at the palace, Ron Artest went into the crowd, beat up multiple Detroit Pistons fans, as well as King hitting one on the court. And he was suspended for the rest of that season, which ended up being, I think 70 games, Mm. but he was fine to play the next year. And, that's from that. So yeah. um, the fact he wasn't banned from the NBA, I don't think Grayson Allen's ever going to get to that stage, but um, they need to clamp down a bit harder on it. And then the last question that I've got for you is, do you think the uh, result of the injury had an impact? Do you think if Caruso had a broken his arm or maybe his shoulder, he would have got longer? And do you think that's the right way to go about it? No, it should be about the, it should be about the action, not the outcome. And we have this issue in our sport in Australia, (laughs) which we could rant on for a long time about, but it's all about the action. The outcome is irrelevant. It's about what he did that led to that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on, man. Grace Nolan, you are officially a part of the Dickheads Club. Don't do it again, but why the hell would he listen to me? Let's get to the hero, mate. Let's get into the good stuff. Now, this performance happened and you messaged me and you're not the most melodramatic of people. I've got to be honest. You're a uh, 
you're a man. You, you say it how it is with a little bit of natural arrogance that me and the listeners love, mate. But you said, if this man is not the hero, not only am I not doing the show this week, I'm out. I'm done. I quit. You're doing this on your own permanently. Yeah. True or false? True. That is very true. I saw this stat line and I looked at it and I said to myself, if someone can do better than this, <laughs> I I don't know if I can... I don't know if I can do it anymore because this performance was ridiculous. Dazzling. Talk the viewers through it, please, or the yeah. listeners even. Yeah, absolutely, mate. So that was the Joker himself, Nikola Jokic. Um, it was the highest triple-double since James Harden's uh, – I don't have the number here, but James Harden's in 2018, which was incredible, but he had 49, 14, 10, 3, and 1 against the Spurs. I don't th- now we've talked about the fact that this man has carried the nuggets. We didn't think that actually all have to climb on the back of him at some point, but I'm pretty sure that happened during the game at times. They ended up getting yeah. the win 16 of 25 from the field. That's 64%, 14 of 16 from the free throw line. And I, I actually can't, I watched the highlights. I think I've watched them twice since the game ended. I actually can't remember a piece of play that he wasn't involved in. I don't even think they scored when he went to the bench. It was just ridiculous. I, I don't have the words because that stat line is so good that anything I say will probably tarnish it. We just need to let it resonate with the view of the listeners and have it at that. Yeah. I don't know how many points resulted from his rebounds, but he scored 49 and of his 10 assists, they had six twos and four threes. So I'll do that math for you. That's 24. So he's had a hand in 73 of their points directly on the last or second last possession. And I think they scored 130 in the game. So that's more than half off one bike. It's just taking it. It's just not okay at this point, but let's get to the game of the week, mate. Now, uh, honorable mention doesn't actually go to a game. It goes to a whole day. So this time yesterday, the Tuesday close day, the Cavs and the Knicks went down to a two point win to the Cavs. The Bulls had a one point win over the Thunder. The Pelicans had a four point win over the Pacers and the Suns had a six-point win over the Jazz. That is four games in one day. They were the only four games of the entire day with an average winning margin of 3.25 points. That is, look, it's not as exciting as the current NFL week that we've had, mate, but there's nothing wrong with having close games so exciting for fans, and to have four of them in one day is just outstanding. Yeah, it was a good day of basketball, that's for sure, but the game that we're going to speak about, it was nuts. It's It's caused Twitter to blow up, really. It has. I'm people saying like, what's the most shocking thing about this? Was it Luke Kennard winning at the game? Was it the fact that uh, the Clippers came back from 32 points down? Like what was the most shocking bit? And I just thought to myself, someone blew a 32 point lead and it wasn't Boston. That was the biggest shock for me. That's couldn't believe it when I saw the box score, but it fell off your chair. Absolutely. Which is a fair way down for big dazzling. But anyway, the, um, yeah, the wizards were 30 points up at half time. It got down to 27, a couple of minutes in, they then scored five points in a row to go 32 up, and they lose it with Luke Kennard getting the game-tying two, got the shooting foul, and like Emmanuel Carme, he found the clutch and went 116-115. Again, there was the second half was good defense. I mean, when the Wizards had the momentum, they were doing it on both ends of the floor, and then the, uh, the switch just flipped. I, I can't remember playing in any sort of sporting game where I've choked this kind of lead. I don't think you have either, but how does this happen? I don't know. I literally <laughs> awesome analysis. Know. Let's move on. No, I, 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 I was on I was on Twitter and 
David Ulrich, who's a very well-respected figure in NBA media, Mm. has been covering the Wizards for 30 years, and he said in a tweet, I've never been so embarrassed to cover the Washington Wizards as I am today. Wow. So if if that doesn't tell you um, how bad this choke job was, then then nothing's going to because this is a man who who's covered the team since the 90s and he's used the word embarrassed, which is just, yeah, that, that says it all. It, it was a ridiculous uh, performance. In a 7-minute in a period from the end of the first quarter to at some point in the second quarter, the Clippers went 1 of 14. They scored 13 points in the second quarter and they won. I I I'm with you. I'm running out of superlatives to describe just how in the actual hell this happens. Now, when you're that far in front, I understand you want to give your bench players a run fresh um, to keep it fresh. You don't want to be, you know, 26 points up and Bradley Beal gets injured, for example. That would make you look silly. But at what margin do you sort of go, okay, we've let this go on too long. Let's get out there. Let's slow the game down. Let's solidify the lead. And sure, is a 30-point lead going to turn into an eight-point win? Probably, but you know, a month down the line, no one's going to give a shit that we were up thirty and then won by eight. But they just, they just couldn't stop it, mate. They were, yeah, they were trying to get water out of the boat, but the boat was already sinking. Luke Kennard did his best Tracy McGrady impersonation. Seven points in <laughs> nine seconds, he did. So, um, yeah, just a bizarre ending to a bizarre game. Yeah, genuinely well. So. We had something like, I think, uh, 11 games decided by single digits this week, which is fantastic. But, yeah, it's going to be difficult for any other game to compete with a 33-point comeback. All right, let's get into Rookie of the Week, mate. Um, Now, this man just put up insanely good numbers against good opposition as well, and he is a first-time nominee. Wait, he's no, he's not. not. No, I've got the wrong note here, mate. I apologise. Let's start that again. No, I'm just kidding. So, um. The Rookie of the Week, this guy, I don't know why I wrote down the wrong name there, but I actually do know who got it. That's how well I'm going. But I'll tell you what this does, mate. It shakes up our leaderboard because your man Scotty Barnes up the top with four nominations, and we thought originally our man Josh Giddy, the horse, with three nominations was the only one that might catch him, but we've got a new challenger with his third nomination. The number one overall pick uh, had a very, very good week, my friend. Cade Cunningham from the Detroit Pistons. These were his averages. Uh, he averaged 22.5 points per game. Five rebounds, five assists, a steal, and two blocks. Uh, And he shot 50% from the field and 45% from three. So it was a huge week. Uh, They played four games. They went two and two. They had a couple of good wins uh, and a couple of tight losses. He is starting to really show um, the flashes that he was consistently showing at Oklahoma State last year. Uh, which made him the consensus number one overall pick. Um, he's looking like a player for the future for the Detroit Pistons. So if they can get some draft capital, uh, build through what looks to be a very strong NBA draft uh, mm. later in the year, which I'm sure we'll touch on at some point, but if they can get some draft capital and build around Cade Cunningham, they're going to be in a good spot in a few years, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And Detroit would be thrilled, surely, when you get the number one pick. The the minimum that you want is just a guy you can build around and you can work with that because you're not going to get – I know Detroit aren't a good team, but it's not like the number one pick is going consistently to the same team. We know how it works 
um, with their system. So once you get that number one pick, NBA is probably the sport where you need to get it right the most because you you can tank for a better chance, but you can't tank for the number one pick because you're still leaving it up to chance. So as far as they're concerned, that is a massive tick. Apologies uh, to Cade. Yeah, he weak so well, I forgot about it. But uh, we're back in four, mate. The TDs and threes, MVP. There is, I want to give a shout out to Luca here because this man had a 32 and a half point double double for the week. Donuts, no votes at all. This is how good you've got to be over the week, mate, to even have us give a damn about what you're putting on the court. This is astounding. I didn't even consider him, Daz. He (laughs) wasn't even part of my plans, and he averaged 32 points. Uh, and what was it, 10 rebounds, rebounds, six assists. I did not even think about him for a second. So that just shows what uh, everyone else has been doing. Yeah, Our our man's just looked at him and gone, oh, Luca, (laughs) not for me, thank you. But let's get into it. One vote, your man, the epitome of your man. Uh, uh, We know Dame is your man, but Dame is sort of shared. But I remember when this guy got drafted and you went, he's the best of a lot. You jumped on him. Early, uh, everyone was talking about Zion, mate, but Jar is just doing things that he's just making the world pay attention. 35.3 points, nine rebounds, 8.7 assists, so close to that triple-double. Um, maybe he would have got two or three. Mate, it's such a tight gap, but 48, nearly 49% from the field, 31.5% from three. And there were really times this week where it looked like that wouldn't get above 20. He did struggle at times, but 31.6 just for a week, nothing to sneeze at. And he, along with the Grizzlies, mate, are taking the piss and flying under the radar a little, which they won't mind. He's dominating. Um, I've seen people come out and say, oh, should Jar be in contention for most improved player? He should be in contention for MVP. He has been that good. Um he is changing the game out there. And while Zion is sitting on the sidelines. Jar is proving that he was the best player in that draft. Yeah, bang. And the I mean, the question becomes, because it's hard to say the Pelicans made a mistake because there weren't that many people. You were pretty much laughed at for saying that Jar would have been the number one pick. But if you're the Pelicans right now, how is upset the right word? How would you be feeling about if you were the Pelicans front office and you, you see what Jar does? And it essentially is a middle finger to the rest of the league, but it's probably more so the Pelicans are the only ones that had a pick above him. Are you feeling just happy for him and worrying about your own organization? Are you thinking, what if? What do you think they're going through right now? I think the foot injury was something that happens, especially young young players who are, who are quite big uh, in height and quite bulky. So foot injuries can happen, but... I think the frustrating part for New Orleans would be the continual setbacks, the reports of a lack of motivation and work ethic, uh, not following his rehab program. They would be the things that would really be annoying the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, I don't think the success of Jar will be deterring them at all because Zion, when he did get on the court last year, was outstanding. (laughs) He was a, a physical. It was a physical force. Like he looked like he could be one of the best players in the NBA. But um, yeah, the the reports that are coming out about him that would be what's so frustrating because it just seems like he's sort of wasting their time a little bit. Yeah, because fully fit, the image of Zion running at defenders would become a sleep paralysis demon. I reckon. Imagine just that force coming at you. That's got absolutely no way written all over it. So. 
There we go. I, I felt like that was more about Zion than Jar, which wasn't intentional, but Jar's been taking the piss, and that's all the Grizzlies can ask for him. Two votes goes to the 76er, who they're actually letting play, which is good. Uh, Joel Embiid's put up 42 and a half points. Yes, you heard that correctly. That's not one game. That's the week. 42 and a half points, 12.8 rebounds, four and a half assists. If you're thinking to yourself, uh, Dazzling, you got that wrong, mate. It's actually three votes. It's two votes. Wait till you hear about the man that got three, but 57.7% from the field. That was Joel, 38.8% from three. A plus minus of eight, which did surprise me. But you're putting up numbers like that. If your teammates aren't performing, it's 100% on them. But the Sixers are going well at the moment, mate. And he is looking like the dark horse in the MVP race at the moment. Oh, he's flying. But the worst part is I have him in, I have him in my NBA fantasy team. And it seems like I pick his worst game every single week, which is starting to really frustrate me. <laughs> but um, uh, in general, he's been awesome. Uh, I think... I said at the start of the year, this whole Ben Simmons saga, which would give Joel Embiid the chance to show everyone that he's the real star in Philly and and he's the person they should build around and he's done exactly that. So I might have to bring that clip up one week and just pat myself on the back for it. Yeah, yeah. of course, doesn't want to bring up any old clips of Dazzling getting it right. But when Smitty's right on the money, he is going editing team, which isn't him, by the way. Get it out, roll it out, red carpet. Let's get to the three votes before Dazzling does in a brain aneurysm over here. Now, Smithy, this is the third week in a row where I've had to say the hero of the week does not have to be the three-vote getter. That's not how it works. But these heroes, mate, are putting up consistent numbers. Nikola Jokic gets the three votes for 34.3 points. And if you're thinking, uh, Dazzling, uh, you're supposed to be good at math, mate. That's eight points less. Well, he's at 13.8 rebounds. That's nearly 14. That is one extra than Joel Embiid, but he's had an extra five and a half, five and a half assists at 9.8. He's shooting better from the field. That's 60% and from three, 39.1%. And he's got a plus minus of 10.3 and he is leading the NBA for plus minus differential in bench time per minute. I, I, I'm running out of superlatives as I'm sure you are too, mate. This It's not the Denver Nuggets anymore. It's just the Jokic Nuggets. It's him plus them equals whatever team they can put out there. I know Aaron Gordon's been good at times, but this is a one-man show at the moment. If we're being completely honest and trying to keep it respectful. Oh, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Uh, you round that 9.8 up to 10 like any sane person would do, and he's averaging a 35-point triple-double for the week. Yeah. Just unheard of numbers. So mm-hmm. it was a no-brainer for me. Do you want to know a bonkers stat as well, mate? I'd love to. He's third in the league for assists missed. So he's averaging all those assists, and yet he's third for the teammates that he's assisting missing shots as well, which is unbelievable. And fun fact for you, second on that list is our man Josh Giddy, the horse. There you go. Don't know who number one is, but anyway, we'll move on. Don't have to be stiff to be dead, do you? Oh, that's it, mate. It's You know what I like about Smithy when he really pulls off a good analogy? He just leans back. He's strutting around like a peacock, our man. Let's get to the leaderboard before Smithy's head won't fit through his bedroom door anymore. Giannis and Jokic, it looks like a two-horse race at the moment, but they're both on 11 votes. We haven't actually talked about what happens if it's a tie. Do we have to get two trophies made up and just deliver them separately? Yeah, I don't think there's ever been co-MVPs before, so that's (laughs) something we made out for workshop. Yeah, might have to, but we said Joel, what we, Dazzling said, Joel Embiid is the dark horse. He's on seven. Jimmy Harden and your man Jarmate sitting together on six. Steph on five. The rest make up the numbers, but some of these names will blow your head off. Trey's on four. Uh, Paul George, Jason Tatum, Damian Lillard, and D-Book on three. 
Kevin Durant, Christian Wood. <laughs> I can't laugh every time I say it. I promise you, it's no disrespect. You're not going to find a bigger Christian Wood fan than me, but the fact that he's here is just great. Donovan Mitchell and LeBron uh, are all on two. Julius Randle, Jimmy Buckets, DeMar DeRozan, DeMontis Sabonis, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander are all on one. All right, mate. If there was one thing missing from this show last week, it was Leonardo DiCaprio himself, the Wolf of Wall Street. Big Jonah Hill over here just uh, had to hold ship, but... I know that you'll be buying, holding, and selling as good as you have all year in the West. So take it away, mate. We'll start with buyer. Who's really perked you up this week? Here we go. Back to the buyer, the the uh, Wolf of Wall Street NBA style. I am buying the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, rightly so. They have just re-signed James Jones. Big tick off court. On court, they were 3-0 and this week with wins against Dallas, Indiana, and Utah. Um Three big wins, two of them West Con- Western Conference rivals who are playing really well. And Indiana is a should-win game, but you still need to win them, as we say on this show all the time. Mm-hmm. And they just look like a really solid unit at the moment. They're thirty-seven and nine, Daz. Yeah, that's- thirty-seven and nine, and not being talked about at all. No, no one is talking about them. It's all about Golden State. It's all about how bad the Lakers are going. It's all about my Blazers. <laughs> which is really weird because we're getting spoken about a lot more than we ever have. People want to talk about the Grizzlies. The Suns are 37 and nine. Yeah. It's uh, you, extraordinary. You know, it's a boring 37 and nine. And what I mean by that is that when they lose, Twitter doesn't freak out. They go, oh shit, the Suns lost. That doesn't happen often and just move on. Yeah. All right. Speaking of moving on, mate, uh, you've had a couple of weeks to think about this. This hold, this is going to be the most boring organization. Who are you not giving an absolute stuff about for a week that you're going? I have to kick the door in in order to be relevant. Who's got a seven-day notice? My Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> wow, what an intro by me. <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm holding them, and I'm going to explain more in my Blazers oh, breakdown. Like so Let's go I'll straight to sell, mate. Now... It's not often that you want to be like Dazzling, but you are like Dazzling in a buffet, mate, because there is going to be a franchise here that you have had a gut full so much, uh, it might actually set you off. So you've had some time for this. Who are you selling? I mentioned before that I wasn't happy with the franchise mm-hmm. and that I was going to give them a bit of a surf. Yep. The Sacramento Kings are an absolute disgrace. <laughs> He's disgraced them. Earlier in the week, they lost to the Pistons. Yeah, it's not great. Now, yes, the Pistons aren't great. They're going to win a game here and there. Mm -hmm. But to allow Detroit to score 133 points is farcical. Absolutely farcical. They then had a loss to the Bucs. Now, yes, better teams beat bad teams. That's Mm -hmm. how it works. (laughs) I don't really care about that. But it was today, Daz. I was out on I was out on a bike ride with me, with me dear friend Jordy. Uh, shout out to him; he'll be listening to the show. Who's big a big fan, Boston? Jordy's a great man. Big Boston Celtics fan. Loves your Celtics. Good ones, uh, alright. And I was we were riding our bikes and we we're just chatting about the NBA. And, and he's like, "Did you see how much Boston won by today?" <laughs> and I said to him, "Oh no, actually, I haven't looked. I've been out and about. You know, I haven't had the chance. What happened?" And he said, we beat the Kings by 53. <laughs> and I, I nearly I nearly went over the handlebars. I said, <laughs> you beat them by 53 points. And he said, yeah, it was 128 to 75, Daz. Yep. Good day. 
That is disgusting. Yes. <laughs> Their leading scorer, Daz, was Buddy Heald. Guess how many points he scored? Who might become a Celtic himself too, by the way. We've got some interest in Buddy. Um, I don't have the box score in front of me, but if it's 75, he's not scoring more than 17, 16, I don't think. 11. No. No. <laughs> no. Had, no. Had, <laughs> You're lying. They had, they had one player in double figures. No, well, I'm checking that. Oh, that can't. You can be check. Right. I'm looking at it right now. That can't be right. <laughs> what? They shot thirty percent from the field. They shot eighteen percent from three. This is just unheard of. And they only had ten turnovers, which is the worst part because it's not even like they turned the ball over that much to get yeah. blown out. Boston had more turnovers and won by fifty-three points. <laughs> Jesus. The Sacramento Kings. Are a joke. They're a laughing stock. Something needs to happen. Either the owner needs to sell the team, they need to be relocated. I don't care because this is ridiculous. And for that franchise to be called the Kings is just rubbing salt into the wound. Oh, it's actually the biggest joke. Like it's it's the most ironic thing ever because <laughs> they're calling themselves the Kings and they're they're the absolute opposite. The they are the slaves, the peasants <laughs> out on the streets. That's right. The Sacramento peasants. Uh, so that was too- oh, the, the slaves is a nice alliteration, but I don't think you should be going with it. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Uh, but no, it's just absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. I'm, I'm fed up with them. And that's two weeks of missing out on yeah. the stock market just built into one rant. So that, yeah. that's me I like, done. I like it. Dazzling. The beast I just, from the east. Where, I appreciate that, mate. But I need to offer one more thing on this Sacramento thing because this is right. a stat that I think might actually set you off again. So look out, listeners. Their top scorer was outscored by Josh Richardson. <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't made me angry. That's just made me laugh because what what does your franchise have to do to be in that sort of situation? And I I can feel better about being a Portland fan watching Sacramento just down the road and knowing that they are the biggest laughing stock in the NBA. It's like failing like a test and then looking back and there's a kid in the back of the classroom just eating paper going, you know what? It's not great, but things could, it could be a lot worse. Be, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. The beast oh. from the East Dazzling talks to me. All right, let's do it, mate. Now, I'm actually going to buy a team. I'm not going to buy a lot because they've been disappointing this year, but what we do, and I think we do all better than anyone, mate, is we'll kick anyone when they're down and they need a clip. But when you do the right things, we'll acknowledge it. The Atlanta Hawks are four in a, have won their last four. Now, they're going to struggle to make a playing spot, but I think there are two spots on offer in the current 10, and I think the Wizards are in real danger of dropping out, and believe me, I'm going to touch on them in a tick. But at, Atlanta can absolutely take that spot. But it's not just Trey. It's not like, you know, Jokic carrying the Nuggets. DeAndre Hunter has learned how to play basketball again, which is good. Didn't want to do that in the early part of the year. Kevin, I'm going to say Huerta. I'll go with that. Yeah, I'll go with just, it. Yeah. Just Herder. Just Herder. All right. Yeah. Well, I don't want to hurt her, mate. She's a good girl. Um, he's learned how to play basketball again. That's fine. And John Collins might be on the move, but his trade value is going to be at a decent clip now because he's actually, he knows to put the basketball just in the hoop. You don't have to hit that board and make it come out. If it actually goes in, your score goes up. Genius, I reckon. Oh, it's it's a, it's a it's an absolutely elite system. How I'm not coaching and yeah, I'm I'm uh, talking to you here, mate, is astounding. But I'm gonna get I'm gonna buy just a couple of shares in Atlanta. I'm not gonna go over the top. Uh, I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna hold this franchise because you can be as fun as you want, 
And but I'm not investing in things that could go out on the court and humiliate someone or get humiliated. At some point, the Charlotte Hornets have got to figure this out, don't they? Two and two, two bad losses. Start, uh, sorry, two good wins to start the week. They beat my Celtics, which, by the way, is not that hard to do. But but to go out that the way they played today against the Raptors, I caught most of the game. And you know me, mate. I like my uh, body language on the court. Uh, just a quick chat to LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier here. When you're actually losing, guys, it's good to have some positive body language. This sag in the shoulder shit in timeout doesn't actually fly and work your way back into the game. You want to go somewhere in this league and win playoff series. It turns out not everything's going to go your way, so a little clip to them, but I'm going to hold because I reckon they can turn it around. And um, when you're up 60 to 28 in a game and you lose, uh, you can go fuck yourselves, and that's the Washington Wizards. As far as I'm concerned, I don't want an, a bar of them. I don't think Bradley Beal wants a bar of them at the moment. And uh, I think something's got to change. Relocate or get a new capital city because neither of those things are working for you. So the US can get on it as far as I'm concerned. Thanks, free, free Bradley Beal. Yeah, that's it. The man is uh, struggling at the moment. But let's get into the Blazers breakdown, mate. Now, luckily for you, you went on holiday. And seriously, I looked at your uh, schedule and I thought we might have been walking back into an actual breakdown. From you, but they held steady, mate. So take it away. Yeah, we went two and two on the week. Um, and it was the Yusuf Nurkic week. Yeah. And this changes everything, does it seriously does? Because if we can get a healthy Yusuf Nurkic, and I'm just gonna go through our four games and read you his stat lines from the games, and tell me after I've told you these stat lines if he averaged something around these for a year what sent like what tier center would he be would he be top three top okay. five top yep. ten so i want you just to listen to the stat line and tell me how good of a center he'd be if he averaged these sort of numbers for a whole season like what the bullies used to tell me in high school mate i'm all ears all right so the uh first game was against miami he had 18 points 13 rebounds two assists a steal and a block mm-hmm our second game of the week was the victory against your Celtics, mate. Yeah, he dominated. He had 29 points, 17 rebounds, six assists, a steal and a block. Mm-hmm. We then faced the Raptors and won. He had 11 points, 11 rebounds, two assists, a steal and a block, but only played a small amount of minutes because we were actually blowing them out uh, for most of the second half. Mm-hmm. And then today against the Minnesota Timberwolves, he had 20 points, 14 rebounds, four assists, and a steal. Jeepers. If he was to continue that trajectory throughout a whole season, where would you rank him amongst the NBA centers? Yeah, if he can continue that for a full season, you're looking at pushing, knocking the door down at top five because yeah. uh, no one's going to go near Embiid and Jokic, but you're looking at like a Carl anthony Towns and these guys that are trying to make up the center numbers. He can comfortably sit amongst that. I don't even want to call it second tier because Embiid and Jokic are on another planet, it seems like, at this point. But he is that's top five probably solidified. You're looking at maybe fourth or fifth. They're outstanding numbers. They are really good numbers. And considering Damian Lillard's been out, uh, I've loved the um, emergence of Anthony Simons oh, you, throughout but the you last were on few this weeks. First. I'm putting that out there because you... You've inquired in the past about when you were getting into like sports writing, you've inquired with websites about like writing this content. And like, I like to look at this stuff. No one was on his bandwagon before you were. I don't like to give you credit because it'll cause that head of yours to swell, but no one was on this man's bandwagon quicker than you were. So I've got to give you credit for that. How unfortunate that is for Dazzle. 
Yeah. So what what it's done does is it's given us an extreme amount of flexibility in terms of CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. Mm. If we were to look to trade one of those two, we know that we have a walk-in replacement for either. Yeah. If we want to trade both of them, we know that we've got a walk-up guard and the the pieces, the capital to gain a serious amount of talent at other positions. Yeah. So Anthony Simons, the development of him is the best thing the Blazers could have hoped for. If Yusuf Nurkic can stay playing this way, um, then we've got a really good center. I wanted to hold them because it feels like it's a bit too good to be true at the moment without Dane. Mm-hmm. And it's rare that he's missed games, but when he has, it's been grim. Yeah. It's been ugly. And when the, when the news came out that he was having surgery and could miss the rest of the season, I was thinking top five pick, here we come. <laughs> I, I, I was honestly ready to book in a top five pick in the NBA draft, yeah. bottom out this year, get the pick, have Dame come back and see what we can do. But we're winning games at the moment, and mm. I don't know if that's sustainable without him, but I'm sort of enjoying watching Portland play at the moment. Yeah. Mate, I, like, I don't blame you at all now. Correct me if I'm wrong. You obviously watch more Blazers than I do. That's not going to shock anyone. But let's say one of them out of Dame and CJ go. I don't think you'd trade both. I don't even think you think you'd trade both. But is it a question of prioritizing present v future? Because I feel like if you you trade CJ, you're trying to win now because you've got Dame, Yusuf, and whatever piece you get for CJ. But if you trade Dame, you're probably looking at contending again in maybe two years. Would that be a fair statement to say, do you think? Or do you just look at it as whatever trade deal you can get that you're better off at? You're better off with, sorry. No, I think you're probably right. Um, I think at this stage, though, you could get more for Dame, of course. Mm. But I think you could turn it either way. If you were looking to trade Dame for pieces to win right now, you could. Mm -hmm. And it's probably the same with CJ. If you're looking to trade CJ for another piece to win right now, you could. Or you could flip one of them for future assets and try and sort of rebuild on the go. So it leaves us in a very interesting position. I really highly doubt that uh, either of them will be traded before the deadline. Yeah, yeah, I, I doubt I doubt at all that Damian Lillard will be traded. Uh, if CJ is going to get traded, it will be in the off season, but it's definitely a watch this space for me. It definitely is. And the last question that I'll float to you is, is CJ for picks only viable can anthony simons be the two for the rest of the year when dame gets back is that a viable option or do you need maybe a pick and a player in a cj style deal as well as other pieces potentially i think it's probably viable but you'd want to be getting a pretty good pick Mm. you'd want to be getting a pretty good pick i think anthony simons can step in to a shooting guard role his perimeter defense is really underrated yeah He's top five in a certain stat for, um, you know, for defense on the perimeter. So um, he's really improved that part of his game. He'd be an upgrade defensively on CJ, but um, it's going to take a pretty decent offer to break up the Dame CJ backcourt because our front office is so stubborn. (laughs) Now, dazzling. I wonder what that's like. (laughs) Speaking of stubborn front offices, tell us about your Boston Celtics. Well, mate, if I'm being honest, after the uh, the loss to your boys and the Hornets lost, I was ready to get rid of 
the everyone but the janitor. I was pretty much ready to just get the uh, the building cleaned out, but something happened. Now we can go over the stats, and I'll happily do it now. To go from the inconsistent five hundred team that made Dazzling want to pull his hair out, we played Washington uh, and we played Sacramento, and don't care what anyone says, Washington have won more games than us. So you're beating a better team. The the uh, the schedule is the schedule. When a team's won more games, they're going to have more momentum than you. Spoiler alert, that's how sport works. And I know Sacramento are bad, but the Celtics are actually got the fourth worst record for teams that are lower than them in the standings. So when you've got Sacramento on the, uh, the book, mate, you better believe I was fully ready for us to lose this game and for me to absolutely go bunter in this uh, breakdown. But the Washington game, uh, and the Sacramento game brought us two wins for a plus 82 point differential, which is just incredible. But I learned something. I learned three things here. Now, the first thing that I learned is I think, and I'm not the first person to say this, but I think JT and JB, we've spoken about Tatum and Brown. We've spoken about does one of them need to become a one? Does one of them need to become a two? Settle there and keep playing their careers. I'm actually going to change my mind and say no. I think that with the versatility in the game, they've almost got a quarter to figure out who the one's going to be in game, and it could be all about matchup. JT against the Wizards, uh, they were double teaming Jalen Brown in that first quarter, um, and they were taking on his defender. So they were moving the ball away from him. You've spoken about JB's underrated defense. He couldn't get a lot going in that early days. What did that do? It let JT drop 31 in the first half. Of course, he's going to be your number one for that game. So he got 51, 10. Uh, he and Larry Bird are now the only Celtics with multiple 50-point double-doubles. There you go. There's a stat. The Celtics, one of the more richer uh, franchises uh, in terms of uh, talent, both past and present. So a pretty cool stat there. But then we get to Sacramento. And in the first six minutes of the game, Jalen Brown had 15 points. If that's not saying I'm the number one for this game, I'll go he. Uh, JB ended up with 30 uh, and 10 uh, rebounds as well, but sat the last quarter. So JT took over in the last quarter, ended up with 36. So my point here is, is that they can be conditional one and two. The question that you've got to ask yourself is when JT becomes the one, Jalen needs to up his assist numbers. So in games in actually the last two years that Jalen Brown has not top scored for the Celtics, he only averages 2.88 assists. And for me, that's a problem. Because yeah. if, if you're the number two, you've got to go into a facilitating role. And then if you've got an easy bucket, take it. And look, JB's a class player. He's going to get that in. He's going to get it more often than not. So I do think that's a bit of a worry. But they're figuring it out. I'm not going to go over the top. I'm not going to say this is the new normal. You're not going to blow teams out. But if we can get this consistent conditional one and two formation going, then we need to be buyers at the deadline, get another shooter around them. And I still think we need um, defense on the bench because Josh Richardson's just not a defender, uh, a good one anymore. Uh, I, don't, I have nothing against him, but it's it's just not working. So we definitely need to look at that. Uh, the second thing I learned, mate, and uh, I actually learned this in a rant that has almost become legendary here about Marcus Smart. Uh, it turns out that when he defends and passes the ball, we're a better team. Who knew? Whoa. <laughs> Look out. Hang on. Exactly right. So this, in the two games, in the, in the two wins, sorry, uh, Marcus had his best consecutive defensive rating for the year. He scored 11 points against uh, Washington. He didn't score against Sacramento. Uh, sorry, other way around. Sacramento, he scored 11, didn't score against Washington. But in that time, he had 13 rebounds. Uh, sorry, he had nine rebounds, 11 assists, 
and two steals combined. He had a plus 36 in both games. Yeah. So that's plus 72 in an 82-point differential week. Yeah. Need I say more? I know Golden State and Dallas want him, but if uh, if my man Immy, or as I call him Jack, <laughs> it's, I hope we've got long-term listeners that know about that, otherwise people are going to think I'm nuts. But if he can sit Marcus down and go, this is what we need you to do, um, and we can do it, I mean, fantastic. Because those numbers, mate, numbers don't lie. Analysts can have differing opinions, but when plus 36 in two games in a row is looking at you and you're not the scorer, it, it, it gets extremely simple. The third thing um, and the last thing, and then we'll head off, uh, assists. Boston are ranked 23rd in assists this year, averaging 23. They had a combined 58 in their two wins this week. So that's 29 average. In the two losses, we had a combined 39. Need mm. I say more? Mm. Passing the ball, it turns out, works for you. Golly gosh, who knew that? Golden State are the number one assist team in the league. I wonder how they're doing at the moment. Another shock. This may, but And the last thing that I'm going to say is I hope this continues. And Jason Tatum is actually only two points behind Trey Young in total points this season. So even though JT is scoring on volume, it doesn't mean you work well as a team. So they were probably the uh, the things that I noticed, mate. So I'm not saying we're fantastic. I'm not saying we're terrible. There are some uh, blatant numbers there. And fingers crossed we can figure it out and figure it out quickly because a team playing like this is going to be super dangerous at the end of the year. And they've still got 30-odd games to figure it out. That's it. Very, very comprehensive by you, Dazzling. Love your work. Is there any final words or are we going to sign off here? Mate, I reckon we are all done for this week and catch everyone next week. Actually, sorry, one more thing. I do uh, want to give a shout out to Joey Walsh on the NBA page where we get our hot takes from, mate, for specialized to us uh, on the hot takes uh, link from last week. He uh, said that he listened in and he loved it and he's looking forward to listening this week. So a shout out to Joey there at the end and you can sign us off in your signature style. Massive shout out to you, Joey. Thanks for the message. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this show. Another weekly roundup. Uh, it was good to be back. Missed you guys last week. Hopefully you all missed me. Um, cannot wait to watch my Blazers in action. Good luck to all your teams. But most importantly, stay safe, everyone.